You are now listening to the First Baptist Church of America's podcast. If you have any questions about our church, please check us out online at fbcamericas.org. We are taking a break from our journey through John's gospel as we approach the holiday season, and Brother Keith opens up for us Philippians 1, 3-11 with the message, I thank my God for you. Let's listen in. I hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday, and um, you know, it's easy to be thankful for all the food. I'm sure you had a bountiful table, and it's easy to be thankful for that, uh, for time off, for traveling, for spending time with family. However, it could be that uh, you found an opportunity to practice the discipline of thankfulness in spite of the food in spite of the traveling, in spite of the family. But I know that's not true for you. But we are to be thankful in all circumstances, and that's what we have been talking about. And I knew that when, when we broke away from John's gospel a couple of weeks ago that I would be preaching on the theme of Thanksgiving these two weeks before Advent. And we saw last week that we grow in our thankfulness by Allowing Jesus to rule our hearts, to let him rule our lives, and by practicing godly living. I mean, gratitude is a result of doing that. Not only growing to be more thankful in all circumstances, but also being thankful for one another. To be thankful for us, fellow believers, as I was thinking about this theme of Thanksgiving, um, I, one phrase kept coming to my mind, I thank my God for you. I thank my God for you. And then when the Sons of Jubal sang at the Georgia Baptist Convention last week, we sang a setting of that phrase, I thank my God for you. These are the words that Paul used on more than one occasion to express his thanks for the local church, the local gathering of believers. And so I wondered, what was it about that church, that local group of believers that Paul wrote to, what was it that Paul was so thankful for? Whatever it is, I think we need to discover it. We desperately need to find out what it was that Paul was so thankful for. Because there are so many in our day that they don't see the need for gathering. And we see that in decreasing attendance, not only in our church, but across the board. And some think it's irrelevant, some think that it's unnecessary, some think that it's optional at best. That I can take it or I can leave it. Well, I don't think so. I think if the church was important then, it's still important now. Because that is the tool. This is the tool that God has chosen to carry his message to the world. So it's important. And so we should be thankful for our church. We should be thankful for this church. And as we look at this passage, I think we'll see why we should be thankful for this local gathering of believers. So let's look. If you will turn with me to Philippians 1, 3 through 11. Kathy has already read the passage. But the church at Philippi began when Paul and his companions shared the gospel with 
uh, some people there in Philippi, they shared the good news, and a merchant was there, heard that message, named Lydia, and she believed. And then there was a, a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit, and she believed. And then there was a jailer who believed, and then others believed, and then when they all came together, they were the Philippian church. They were the church at Philippi. And over the years, Paul developed a very close bond with these believers. And even after 10 years, you can still hear his love for that church as he writes to encourage them in their spiritual maturity. See, we're not part of a body of believers to stay as we are, but we are to mature in our faith. And that's why Paul is writing to encourage them to spiritual maturity. Listen to his affection. I want to read it once again, starting in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Every time Paul thought about the believers in Philippi, he thanked God. They had come to his mind and he would thank God for them. Can you say that about other Christians in your life? Can you say that about other Christians in this room or in this church, in this fellowship? And you could say, well, it was easy for Paul because he was 800 miles away from these people. He didn't have to live with them and be with them. So sure, he could love them. But can you say that about your fellow Christians, fellow believers? How can we get to the point of thanking God every time we think of other believers. Well, in verse 7, Paul said it was because he had them in his heart. He had them in his heart. And then in verse 8, he identified that affection to be the very love of Christ. He loved them with the love of Christ. See, we cannot love apart from Jesus. We love because he first loved us. So he had them in his heart, and he loved them with the love of Christ. Sometimes we might think of other Christians, certain Christians, and the last thing we want to do is thank God for them. That ought not be, but it is. We might have people on our mind. We might even have people on our nerves. But only when we have people in our heart will we be able to thank God for them the way we should? And I think we need to rethink what we believe about the fellowship 
of the local church. We need to rethink what we believe about the church. And let's start right now. Right now. Let's start rethinking what we think about his church. And this passage will help us do that. It'll help us to be thankful for Christian fellowship. Four words I want you to remember. Purpose, joy, unity, and result. First of all, be thankful for Christian fellowship because of the purpose of Christian fellowship. Verse 4, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Our purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what you have in mind as the purpose of this church, but if it's anything other than the gospel of Jesus going forward, then your purpose has been misplaced. Our purpose is nothing short of the gospel of Christ. These Philippians had accepted their responsibility to be partners in God's plan to redeem mankind through Jesus. They had believed the gospel message of Jesus and they wanted other people to believe that message as well. And that's our purpose. To believe the message, the gospel of Jesus and then pray that other people would believe as well. I read an interesting article this week that asked the question, is your church full of partners or customers? See, customers are consumers. And so they go to church for what they can get out of church. What can you do for me? What can you give me? So the purpose really is self, self-fulfillment, to go to church to get what you can out of it. So are you a customer or are you a partner? See, partners are investors. They come to give of self in order that God's purpose can be fulfilled. So we need to ask ourselves, am I being more of a customer, a consumer, or a partner in the gospel of Jesus? So I would say to you, don't be misled by any idea that minimizes the gospel message. Anything that minimizes the gospel, go the other way from that. And that gospel message, of course, is that salvation is by God's grace through faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. That's the gospel. And so the purpose of this church, the purpose of every church from the first day till now is to magnify, to spread, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am confident in that. And I hope you are too. I hope you are clear as to what our purpose is as a church to magnify and spread and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is God's son, our savior. So be thankful for our purpose. Secondly, be thankful because of the joy in Christian fellowship. Verse 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ." Jesus. Now remember, Paul is writing this from prison, not knowing whether he would live or die, yet this is known as his letter of joy. And he's writing this to his beloved Philippians. He said, I always pray with joy. Why? Well, it's because of his confidence. His confidence is in God's plan to save and redeem. 
See, redemption is God's plan. He starts it, and he will finish it. What he starts in us, he will bring to completion. So the good news is that salvation is not your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. We can rest in the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus. We can rest in that. Now imagine that you're, you're going to catch a flight somewhere. And you know how much of a pain it is to get to Atlanta. It's a pain to get there. No matter if you go on groom, somebody takes you, you drive there. But suppose you drive to the airport. You have to find a parking lot. You have to find a parking place. You have to make sure you save your little ticket. You have to get on a shuttle to get to the main uh, terminal. Then you have to go through that lovely security checkpoint. You have to go through all that process. You have to take the train to your gates, and you have to find your gate, and then you wait, and then they call you. You sit down on the plane, and you can finally rest and let that pilot take you to your destination. You can rest knowing that that will take place. You've gone through all that trouble, and you can rest joy of Christian fellowship is possible when we know and we, when we admit and realize that Jesus Christ has taken care of everything. We are resting in Him. Therefore, we can have joy in our fellowship. There shouldn't be any drudgery at all in Christian fellowship. There shouldn't be any drudgery at all. It should be joy. If there is drudgery, if you regret or if you resist coming together as a body of Christ, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong with your expectations of what you're going to get when you come, or there's something wrong on the other side of it. But if there is any drudgery, there's something wrong somewhere. There should be joy in the gathering of believers. Believers are confident in Jesus Christ and therefore they find joy in sharing life together. So be thankful for joy in Christian fellowship. And then the third thing I'd say to you is be thankful because of the unity of Christian fellowship. Verse 7 says, For whether I am in change or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now think back to those first three believers that we are told about in Acts 16 in, in Philippi. Lydia was a wealthy merchant, a demon-possessed slave girl, and a Roman jailer. These three people had nothing in common until they experienced the grace of God through Jesus. That's what unified them. We try to unify ourselves around all kinds of things, about getting people to think the same way, get, getting people to sing the same way or dress the same way or whatever it might be that we try to get unity from. And it goes on and on. But if our unity is based on anything other than the fact that we have experienced the grace of God, then our unity will be shallow and short-lived. The grace of God. The cross of Jesus Christ unifies us in a way that nothing else ever will. So our true common goal is God's grace. So be thankful 
for the unifying grace of God. And then lastly, I'd say to you, be thankful for Christians, the fellowship, because of the result. Look at his prayer for them in verse 9. He said, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Why? So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And then why? To the glory and praise of God. The end result of all of our gathering, the end result of Christian fellowship is to bring glory and praise to God. We bring glory and praise to God by the lives that we live in this life in the name of Jesus Christ. Notice why Paul prayed for these believers to grow in knowledge and in insight so that they could discern what is best. It's one thing to discern good from bad, but do we really think about discerning good from best? I'm afraid I often miss the best because I settle for what's good. And you do the same thing. All of us will choose what is good for us. For instance, this past Thursday, when you had all that food in front of you, did you choose to eat what was good to you or best for you? Hmm? Think about it. What about after lunch? Did you choose to do what was good for you or best for you? I mean, did you go and exercise and walk off all of that food that you had eaten? See, we, we're good at choosing what is good for us because that's what we want. We're not so good at choosing what is best for us because that may be in conflict with what is good for us. But it's only when we have the insight that comes from His Holy Spirit in us that we know what is best for us and then that we are even able to choose what is best. And it's the same way spiritually. We often choose good and miss best because we're choosing on our own terms. Well, Paul said their ability to discern what is best means that they would be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. And that's the kind of living that brings glory and praise to God. And you know, that is God's desire for us. That we would live such lives that uh, we would bring glory and praise to Him. On the front of this order of service says loving God and loving people in the name of Jesus if we're not doing that we're not bringing glory to him we're not praising him so the result of this fellowship should be that God is praised and glorified by not only our individual lives but our collective lives as a local body of believers well Paul prayed for this church in Philippi and I pray for you. Every day, I pray for you. At night, when Judy and I are praying, we pray for you. We pray for this fellowship, that we would be what God wants us to be. Not what we want us to be, but what God wants us to be. And my prayer is that your, your vision would be clarified as to what our purpose is, to be partners in the gospel of Jesus. 
that that is first and foremost of everything that we do, that we are partners in the gospel. And my prayer is also that your joy will increase as you realize what that purpose is and as you work to carry it out. And yes, you do work to carry it out, remembering that what he started in you, in me, in us, he will complete. And my prayer is also that your, your unity will grow. Our unity as we realize that we are made one only because of the grace of God. That's what unifies us. And then my prayer for you is that in everything you do will result in the glory and praise of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you realize if anything else is our purpose, then we are glorifying and praising ourselves instead of God. So do you get it right? Do we get it right? Does our church get it all right? No. We don't. We are a work in progress, just like you and I are individually. We are works in progress. The institutional church says you must do this or you'll go to hell. And I think there is a difference between the institutional church and the true church. But the institutional church says you must do this or you will go to hell. But the true church lifts up Jesus Christ and says, follow him and have eternal life with God. One is based on fear. The other is based on love. Do you know the difference? The church that promotes fear or the church that promotes love. As many of you had some extra time this week, Judy and I did, we went to Albany to the movies. We went on a date the other night. We went to see the new Robin Hood movie. If you remember that story, that story was said in the time of the Crusades. And uh, there, there was a, a scene in that movie where there was a corrupt bishop in the church and, and the bishop was leveraging power over the sheriff of Nottingham. And he said, the church created hell in order to instill fear in the people in order to control them. And I thought about that, and I realized that the church didn't create hell, but people have always used fear to control others. And the church has certainly done that. The institutional church has done that. We do that from time to time, not even knowing it. Maybe in our families. But I pray that that will never happen here in this place. That we will operate in love rather than fear. Because fear is one of Satan's greatest tools to paralyze and debilitate any body of believers. When it comes to Jesus, he, he came in love. And instead of saying, live this way or go to hell, he says, I will live for you so that you can go to heaven. That's what the gospel is all about. I thank my God for you. I do. I thank my God for you. A few weeks ago, I was thinking about the idea of thanksgiving, and I wanted to list everybody who serves this church to acknowledge your service and to say thank you for what you do so that we can create the place that Mackenzie Joe can grow up in 
learning about Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, I realized that I, I couldn't do it because I kept thinking of somebody I was leaving out. And once I started listing that, I would certainly leave out multiple names. For instance, just look at your order of service in this place. And there's, there's much more that takes place outside of an 11 o'clock service. But just for this service, there is someone who coordinates others to do music, to be greeters, to do extended session and nursery, to do flowers, to do the audio, to do the video, to do scripture reading, to do children's sermons, to do the prayers, to be ushers. There's somebody standing behind all of those groups coordinating that so that the work can get done. And I'm sure I left somebody out of even that list. And then you all who have volunteered to do it, you just do it. But these things don't just happen. They happen because you make them happen. And so for that, I am thankful. And many of you serve not only within the walls of the church, but as you go as the church. And you serve out there in ways that people never know about. But I would ask you this morning, how are you serving God's church so that our purpose of the gospel can be fulfilled? How are you serving? May God work in us to clarify our purpose because, you know, if we get the purpose straight, then the joy will follow. The unity will follow. The result will follow naturally. We don't have to focus on the result first. Let's focus on the purpose. And the purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God help us to be the church that he wants us to be. I thank my God for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. And Lord, you have placed us in this place with a common ground of your cross. Because of your grace, you have showered us with your love as it's expressed in your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, my prayer is that you would make us the church that you desire us to be. Help us to see clearly our purpose, that other people would believe and come to know that grace. And Lord, I pray that if there are those here this morning that need to make a decision to believe, maybe to admit that they have believed and to desire to follow in believers' baptism. Lord, I pray for courage for them. For most of us, Lord, I pray that you would just lead us to fulfill your purpose. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to know how you can have a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love to talk with you about it. You can find our contact information on our website at fbcamericas.org. And tune in next week as we begin our journey towards Christmas with the first week of Advent, the week of hope.